Welcome to Camarillo Community Church, more affectionately known as CAMCC. We want to let you know what we're all about. We have these goals that align us and keep us moving in the right direction. We call them our values. Number one, we are unapologetic about biblical truth. If you come weekly, you will see us put the Bible up high and say we want to place ourselves under it. Number two, we are passionate about God-centered worship. Worship is not about me feeling better about myself. Worship is about God. Number three, we are committed to family-deep discipleship relationships. We want to grow in Christ together. We want to live life together. Number four, we are compelled to make community impact. And we are not here just to take up space. We want to make a difference in our community. And finally, we are intentional about reaching others for Jesus Christ. In everything we do, we will always assume that there's somebody in the room who doesn't know Jesus, some visitor, some guest, somebody who invited their friend who is there who doesn't know Jesus. We are sure excited for you to be here with us, and we hope that you are excited to go on this journey with us as we endeavor to put these values forward as a church. Yeah, you can clap for that. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Camarillo Community Church. In case you're new and somebody invited you this week, my name is David Hurtado. I'm the lead pastor here. We are ultra excited that you are with us. In fact, if you're online right now, I can't go a week without hearing, you know, I watch with my husband who's ill or whatever. Every week we watch online or the most recent one was we just had a baby. And so for the last six months, we've been watching from home. We just say, welcome, we see you, we love you, and we're glad that you're participating with us as well. And uh, if you're new to our church, please, I've had a great new family this morning who's been going to our church for like six months. I've never met them before. And um, they came up to me and said, hi, this is our name. This is how we got in the community. This is how we heard about you. I love those interactions. I'll be on the patio afterwards, so please come and say hello. Let me know how you got here. I'd love to be able to put a face to the name and try to remember your name in the midst of like 500 different names. So give me, give me uh, some grace on that. A couple of things before we dive into the message today that I want to make sure that you know about. Uh, the first one is that we're going to be honoring, if you weren't here last week, we're going to be honoring Pastor Jim Moyer. He'll be actually leading us through communion today after uh, the message. We'll do like some post-message uh, worship and communion together. We're going to be honoring him for his 21 years of service on our pastoral team. Uh, and we're going to be doing that January 27th uh, at 5 p.m. We'd love for you to be there with us. We'll be in the activity center. We are going to provide a meal. That's why we're asking for RSVPs on that so we know how many people to feed. If you have been impacted by his ministry in the last 20 some odd years, in some way, shape, or form, we'd love for you to be there. There's going to be a little bit of an open mic time where you can share what he's meant for you in, in, in your own life, maybe your family's life, things of that nature. We'd love for you to be there. And in, quite honestly, I'm just going to be very forthright and, and open here. We are going to be asking those who are present if they would consider um, uh, as well in this new endeavor that he's doing, a new ministry endeavor he's doing with uh, GDI, if you would be willing to support him financially in that. We want to make sure Jim has everything he needs moving forward. He'll be kind of like our missionary to GDI, which is an organization that teaches discipleship throughout the world. And he will remain a pastor. Uh, we will continue to, con uh, to maintain his pastoral license. So he'll still be licensed through us. He'll still be going to our church those things, but he's transitioning to a different ministry role. And so we want to celebrate him. So please come on January 27th, RSVP for that. Come on January 28th, because that day our elders will be on stage. We'll place hands on him. We will send him uh, as our person that we are sending to the glory of God for the kingdom of God and his purposes. So we want you to be there for him so we can definitely celebrate him accordingly. Uh, second thing is we have a worship night coming up this month called One Voice. And this is actually rather unique. We haven't done anything like this before. We've done a lot of worship nights, but this will be much different. It's going to be a multi-church worship night. There is a pastor in our community who's new to his church. And if I could just be forthright again, he's come and said, hey, I feel like our church has been a little bit like separate from the rest of the churches in the community. And uh, we want, I want to be able to send a message to my church that we are one church amongst many churches that honor Jesus Christ in Camarillo. And uh, we, if we're going to reach Camarillo, we're going to have to do this together. And so we're not in competition with each other. We love each other. And so he wanted to do this kind of like a multi-church uh, worship night. 
I love the heart in that so much. I said, you can do it here. I will not be on the stage because I don't want it to look like I'm trying to present myself. Kelly will lead the worship. The worship team will have different figures from every different church. Um, we will have a, another pastor do like a 10-minute message. A different passage from another uh, church in town will be doing, leading us through communion. It's going to be a special night where we worship God with one voice, even though we're four or five different churches. If you would do me a pastoral favor, write this date and time down. I would love to see CAMCC well represented at this. I would love to be able to give that picture to his church that we are one together, even though we're different churches. We need different churches to be there and not just his church church there, right? They're coming across town. I'm just asking you to show up January 28th, 7 p.m. Our greeters will have different greeters from four different churches. Our children's ministry will have different children's workers from like four different churches. And then uh, represented on their stage will not be me. Four different churches will be represented uh, in, in that vein too. So would you show up on January 28th and let's make that a special night. By the way, it, it has the potential to be packed in here. It could be pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, and we're going to worship together with one voice. Will you do that? All right, well, the three of you that will are going to have a wonderful time. The rest of you, I am taking withdrawing my prayer blessing over. No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's get started. Uh, I want to start off by just saying to you that when I was a kid, um, I, you know, I went to this private school in a very depressed neighborhood. All the families were kind of working class, and they didn't want their kids to go into like the school system, which was horrible. It was like, you know, 50 years ago, I had, you had to walk through a metal detector to go to school. That's kind of the neighborhood that I lived in when I was a kid. And so we would, you know, families would try really hard to send them to a private school, and those private schools would actually have not a lot of money. It sounds counterintuitive, but the, the, the truth of the matter is it's all working class families. And, and so these schools would put on, the school that I went to every year would put on like a, a fundraiser and they would sell chocolates. Any, ever heard of the world's finest chocolate? It's not true. It's not the world's finest chocolate. Uh, years later, I would be introduced to Ghirardelli. That's the world's finest chocolate. But anyway, they would lie to us kids and tell us that you're going to sell the world's finest chocolate to people, and we're going to raise money for your school so school can buy windows or whatever it needed at the time. And so um, they would always like present these things like, if you sell the most boxes in the whole school, you'll get $300 cash. I'm like, bam, I'm, I'm on it. You know, or if you sell the most boxes in the whole school, then we'll take you and two of your friends and we'll get rent a limo. We'll drive you to San Francisco. And you can go to the Hard Rock Cafe. I did that. It was like awesome. Like, I'm winning that, baby. And I'm taking two of you fools with me. Right. And, and I, whatever the, whatever the, whatever the, you sell the most, you win. I was like, I'm going to win it. And I won it like every year, except for one year when the Averell family, they cheated. They had like five kids and all five of them would sell chocolate bars, but then they'd only put it in Cheryl's name. Like the other four didn't sell one chocolate bar. Yeah, right liars. And so they did that so they could beat me. And, and you know, so they sold like 45 boxes in 21 days. Liars, cheaters. Uh, I don't have any bitterness towards them at all. Um, but I would set goals for myself. I was going to sell, you know, it's three weeks, 21 days. I'm going to sell a box a day. That's 21 boxes of 36 chocolates is what they come in, right? And, and I would set goals. I'm going to make sure I sell 21 boxes, 21 days, and I would not leave until I had sold the box of chocolates that I was selling. This is a true story. I had family members saying, you're going to be a millionaire. Like, you're going to be really rich. Like, you're, you're the next Elon Musk. And then I decided to be a pastor. And, but for a year, and I would use these lines, you know. I would, uh, uh, I would stand outside the automatic sliding glass doors at Vaughn's or Albertson's or Safeway, where I was at Lucky's is what, what it was called in Northern California. And uh, I'd wait during the dinner wash, rush. I'd look super pathetic. <laughs> I would sell chocolate bars. And I would use these lines that I would try to use to see if I can get people to buy a chocolate bar. Uh, one that I used that was recommended to me was, would you please contribute to my education? That one didn't really work. I threw that one away early. Like nobody buys because they want to contribute to your education. But I would find other ones that would work. They're like, you look like you need some sugar. And smile. And they're like, if I can make them laugh, then they're that much more prone to maybe buy a chocolate bar. One for like the intellectual one. The, like the intellectual person is super smart and it's not going to be gimmicked into anything. I would say, here, here, here's the deal. Um, you know, I've got to sell 36 candy bars today to sell my box. And, but here's the deal. You don't have to buy all of them. I just need you to buy one. And they'd be like, okay, well, then I'll buy the one. What an opportunity here. You don't have to buy all of them. You can just buy one. And they would buy the one, uh, uh, you know, candy bar. I remember staying outside of like our, our, our bonds, let's say, in our area, until uh, 10 and 11 p.m. into the evening. 
Uh, and I, at that point, I'd find, I'd, I'd target little old ladies, and I'd be like, could you please buy my last three candy bars so I can go home and go to bed? My legs hurt and I'm hungry. And <laughs> that one worked every time. <laughs> If I had the right person, it was going to work every single time. Go home, honey. Go home, you know, type, type of thing. And I go to school the next day, and I had sold a box. I was going to make sure that I did not stop until I sold a box every day. And then on the weekends, I'd want to sell like five or six boxes. I'd go to bowling alleys. I'd go everywhere, everywhere I could go to sell these things. And it worked pretty well. Uh, I, I, I was so intentional about it that I was winning the reward every year until the Everill family cheated. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and I wonder how things might be different in my life today if I was as intentional about my personal and spiritual life. Like how many more people might know Jesus if I was that intentional about carrying Jesus with me wherever I go and thinking about how I could influence somebody for Christ in the same manner that I was trying to influence folks to buy a candy bar. This morning, we're going to take a break from our series in 1 Samuel and drill down on what we're calling our rally cry for 2024 as a church. You just saw a video that listed out our vision, our values. We have a set direction set by myself and our elders. We are going a certain place, a certain way. That's definitive. We have several values that we're trying to live in accordance with. And one of those values is the one that we want to drill down on this year. So the vision isn't changing. We're just saying for 2024, we want to drill down on this one. And that is the value of reaching others for Jesus. What would happen if we began to be more intentional with our relationships and our spheres, our spheres of influence that God has placed us in? What approach might I use if I was going to be intentional? What approach would I even use to be more intentional with people that God has placed me in close proximity with? What if our church had a collective goal of making a dent into this activity called evangelism this year? You know, I'm pleased to report that in the last quarter, we've had 18 decisions for Christ. Uh, and, you know, every time Kenny gets up here and says, hey, if you have made a decision, would you let us know? People do let us know. Uh, and, and we had 18 in the last quarter. That's more than any other quarter since I've been here. Praise God for what he's doing in the midst of this room. Absolutely, we're, we're excited about that. And if you're one of those, welcome to the family. We're excited that you're with us. But what if God wants to do more? What if that's just the beginning and God wants to do more? And so what we're gonna spend today is talking about this. And then we're gonna be talking about this um, all along this year as well in different ways. And we'll talk about that later. First thing I wanna deal with is whether or not this is a societal need. Does our society need Jesus? Well, we find ourselves uh, fully engrossed as a society into notions that are antithetical to the Bible, values that are contrary to our scriptures, worldviews that foundationally question the very need for a religious observance, and even the family unit. Certainly, uh, religion isn't essential. We went through that whole period. And you may not realize this, but the family unit itself is questioned on whether that's necessary in different points. Our ther the therapeutic nature of our society values as its North Star the sensation of inner happiness. That's my North Star. Look inside myself, see what makes me happy, and go engage in that activity. That's how I find happiness. That's what our society deems as its North Star, it's our everyday idol, it's our God besides God, my own personal happiness. If this marriage doesn't make me happy anymore, I leave it because I serve the God of inner happiness. Whatever it might be, I will run towards that. True identity is found within yourself, which is very Jean-Jacques Rougeau of the 17th century philosophers. True identity is found within. Look within to find yourself. You are most uh, truly yourself when you're acting in accordance to your own nature. Look within, find your nature, and act according to that nature. Again, very Jean-Jacques Rougeau. And uh, here's the problem with that. We as Christians have a different worldview. Our worldview is that our nature is flawed. Our nature is sinful. As soon as 
man decided to walk away from God. We inherited its sin nature. Every one of us has it. We don't argue with the two-year-old child that teaches us. I didn't have to teach them how to do wrong. They just know how to do it because it's in our nature. So if I'm looking inside myself to, to find fulfillment in my nature, what if that nature is flawed? And what if that nature leads me to things that are not satisfying? And in the end, I thought I was gonna be happy, but I'm not. That is the culture that we live in, that we have a different understanding about. The highest virtue of our society is to have the freedom to, uh, for self-determination, whether it's relating to uh, gender identity, sexual identity. It is the true morality of our culture. This is the mindset of secular mindset. True morality is to give people the opportunity to self-determine for themselves who they are, what they are, and what they should do for their own happiness. What's most concerning about this ideology is it's, these notions are becoming more and more every day taken as fact. So if you think or believe otherwise, you're labeled as a hate group or pushing forth hate speech. Listen, we live in a day and age where our society is thoroughly confused thoroughly confused, searching for solutions for their God-sized void in the wrong places. And the fact of the matter is, you have the solution. You have the solution. You have the solution. You have the solution. But we're driven to quietness because we're scared of offending contemporary societal notions of truth. And that's problematic because the world is drowning in a sea of despair and we have a lifeline, but we're keeping it to ourselves. So today what I wanna do is talk through several different approaches that God might utilize in your life to affect and influence people in your sphere of influence that God might already be drawing to the kingdom of God to a relationship with his son in Jesus Christ. I, we're going to go through like what I call like a biblical theology of approaches. We're just going to look through the New Testament. What kind of approaches were used when people were trying to affect influence, the influence of the gospel, the influence of Jesus Christ onto their friends and families and the community around them? What approaches were used? And let's look at those approaches and which one could I utilize? Which one do I resonate with the most? So let's look at some approaches. Uh, I come equipped with six different approaches, different evangelistic approaches that are seen in the Bible. Um, and, and by the way, not all of them will suit you. There will be some that you'll go, I'm kind of drawn to that one. I feel like I could do that one well. This approach over here, I actually have a, a little bit of a disdain for. I, I don't like that one. It seems opposite of me. I don't think I'd be drawn by that. And so I don't want to utilize it. Here's the point. Find the one that suits you and dive into it. I'll give you an example. The first approach is not one that I'm that excited about. We could classify this approach as the confrontational approach. It's just opposite of who I am. I generally want to influence people to where they're happy to make a decision for Jesus. I don't like the confrontational approach. I'll give you an example. I was on a train in the last two months. I do this weird thing. I go on trains. I go to San Diego. I study on them. My ADD brain works that way. I look up and go, huh, there's a house on fire. And then I'll read more. And then I'll look up, huh, there's an empty swimming pool. That's kind of weird. And for some reason that helps me. Every time I look up, there's a different thing to look at. And I go back and I read and people go, that's weird. I know it's weird, but my job is to read. And so in a weird way, you're welcome. Well, this time I go down to Oceanside, I get off the train, I get my sandwich, and I'm waiting for my train to go back home because I go back the same day and I read for multiple hours at a time. That's what works for me. And, and I'm sitting there at the pier in Oceanside. There's this gentleman with a microphone and two speakers and his buddies, and they're just confrontational about Jesus. You're going to hell without Jesus. And I hear I'm a pastor going, I would never use that approach. I don't think that approach works. I don't like that approach. It doesn't, it doesn't suit me. And these people woke up this morning, they paid a lot of money to be in that hotel, they just wanna walk on the pier and here you're yelling at them about their eternal destiny in a way that doesn't make them excited about joining you. And so I just have a little general disdain for that approach. But then this one kid got on the microphone, he says, I wanna let you know something after he's, and he, by the way, a lot of what they're saying is true about Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, you need Jesus, you need to repent of your sin to be saved. All that's true, it's the, the mode in which they're doing it, it's not something that I kind of, you know, um, lean towards the, um, you know, and, 
But he got on the microphone and he says, how well let you know something? I was you. I was walking down that ramp, going down the pier in Oceanside, and I actually listened. And when I listened, God transformed my life. Let me tell you about my life before. I was this, I was doing drugs, I was womanizing. I listened, I actually listened to the person on this microphone, and now look at my life. And it hit me. Oh my gosh, that dude's living proof. It does work. Like it worked for that guy. In fact, I'm on the microphone today because I know there's somebody else gonna come down that's, that's just like me and needs to hear it in this way. Maybe not my cup of tea in an, of an approach, but, uh, but an approach that works. If some of you are more hospitality uh, gifted in your heart, like God run you with a spiritual gift of hospitality, this will be a very, very hard approach for you. That's kind of like me. I want people to feel good. I, 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 it's hard for me to be confrontational. But there's other views who are very direct and very uh, to the point. And by the way, you teach us that we can't be stifled into silence by our hospitality. We need to say something. God has you for a reason to spur us on to move. You're the take the mountain type of people. The, 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 the prophetic voice of the Old Testament says, hey, Jonah, we need you to go to Nineveh and tell that whole city it's going to be uh, burned into destruction if they don't change. And the, there's a person who says, I'm direct, I'll do that. City! And they just a take the mountain type of a crew, and it works. It doesn't only work in Oceanside. I want, you to show you, I want to show you where it works in the Bible. Acts chapter 2. Tell me if this is not confrontational and very direct. Men of Israel, this is Peter talking, hear the words, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works uh, and wonders and signs that only God can do through him in your midst. And as you know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, side note, for knowledge here is accordance to a definite plan. It's a choice of God that Jesus would come and die on the cross. And then he says, this Jesus delivered according to the, divine, the definite plan and knowledge for knowledge of God. You crucified him. You killed him. Wow, is that not direct? By the hands of lawless men, and God raised him up and loosed the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Praise God, he couldn't be held by death. And by the way, if you're wondering if this worked or not, later in, in the passage, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. We did kill him. He was the Messiah. And Peter said to the rest of the apostles, brothers, or no, they said to the rest, to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and all those who are far off, so that even if you killed them, you could still be forgiven. Everyone whom the Lord God, our God, calls to himself. Confrontational evangelism, maybe not my cup of tea, but it works. It does work. And if that's the way God's bent you, then you need to do that and remind us that we cannot go silent. Number two, the intellectual approach. We see this in the famous Mars Hill passage in Acts chapter 17. I want to show you this. Uh, what's happening is Paul would go to the synagogues and he would preach to the devout uh, God-fearing Jews or just God-fearing people. But then he realizes there are not everybody goes to the synagogue. So what do I do with everybody else? Watch. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit provoked them within him as he saw the city was full of idols. They're worshiping all kinds of other gods besides God. And so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and then in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. I want to go for those who aren't also religious in nature or, or come to a different, uh, have a different worldview of the God they worship. And some of the Epicurean Stoke philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of a foreign deity, another God, because he keeps on preaching about this Jesus and this thing called the resurrection. We'll keep on going. And they took him and brought him to uh, Aragopagus, is what I'm going to say, Aero, whatever, saying, <laughs> may, uh, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting, for you bring some strange things to our ears, and we wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Uh, now, all the, uh, the uh, Athenians and, and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time 
in nothing except telling and hearing something new. They actually had a cultural value of, hey, is there another God out there we want to know about? They believe in a pantheon of gods. And so tell us more, tell us more. We want to hear more about this. And so Paul, standing in the midst of the of Agapathus, it said, and men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Watch this. For as I pass along, I observe the objects of your worship. I found this altar that has this inscription to the unknown God. They had a value of worshiping every God, a pantheon of God, thousands of God. Well, they have one to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, let me proclaim it to you. That is very, very strategic. He's saying, intellectually saying, hey, you have an unknown God, I know who he is. Let me tell you about him. In fact, he's the God amongst, he's a God who's higher than every God. He's God, very God, not one amongst the pantheon of gods, like you and I are our God. No, he is God, very God on his own. He decides to be very strategically show them that what they're worshiping or think they're worshiping, this is what they really need. Some of you are bent this way. You have an intellectual approach. You, you can see the needs of society and you can present in a way that shows them that what they need is Jesus. I had a lunch with one of my former students this week and she was telling me, she's actually in the acting industry in LA and she was telling me how it's very interesting to her how, how um, non-believers are so religious. Um, they, they have an aura of religiosity about them. They, they, they're, they're very spiritual. They're, they're looking to different things, whether it's stones or whether it's meditation. And they have this air of spirituality amongst them. And I said, yeah, it's a, it's a false narrative. It's a false gospel. It's a, it's, a, it's a fake religiousness about them. And she says, well, that's all true. According to our worldview, if that's certainly true, but it's just amazing to me that God made them to desire something that they don't have. And I just view to view it as, hey, you have this, part about you that wants something transcendent. I know the transcendent one. I'd like to introduce you to Jesus Christ. See, one way you can look at that negative and they got it all wrong. Another way you can look at it, no, no, you have a desire that God put inside of you to need something that you don't know about. And I'd like to share it with you. You may be of a, a person of a, of a direct nature, use the confrontational approach. You may be of a very intellectual nature, use the intellectual approach. And then there's the discipleship approach. Discipleship approach. Many of you have gone through GDI, uh, our, 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 our triads or quads, and a mechanism that's just uh, disciples people through in their faith. And I want to let you know, it's actually biblical. Jesus used it out of Luke chapter 5. I want to see this. After this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Come, live like I live. Do what I do. Leaving everything, he rose and he followed him. And Levi made a great feast at his house. He wanted to tell his friends about it. And so there's a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees, religious leaders and scribes, grumbled at the disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Something's off. And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need for a physician. Ironically enough, the very religious leaders were the ones who were sick. But in an irony saying, I'm not coming to those who are who are uh, um, well, I'm coming to those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, that is, uh, again, very ironic, but sinners to repentance. Tax collectors know they need forgiveness. You don't know you need it, even though you're as sick as them. But he came in and said, just follow me. Paul would end up saying, follow me as I follow, as I follow Christ. There are some of you that have a magnetic personality that people just want to be like you. Can I hang out with you? Can I have some of what you have? I just want what makes you tick. And your style of evangelism can be, hey, why don't you follow, what I, follow me as I follow Christ? Let me show you. We have a whole mechanism here. If that is you, to dive into, invite others to live life as you live life, disciple them through that mechanism. This is a magnetic person who does that. Uh, the fourth one is a service approach. A service approach. This is kind of a cool one. I want you to see this out of Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, there is a lady who is known for her acts of service in the community. And I want you to see how people come to Christ because of this. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and of acts of charity. That's what she's known for in the Christian community and outside. And in those days, she became ill and she died. And when, she, when they had washed her, they laid her up in the upper room. And since Lydia was not far from Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come without delay. And Peter rose and went 
to them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room and all the widows stood beside him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Even there, they're showing, look how awesome she was. Look at, look at her heart of service. And now there was in Joppa, I decided, oh, let's go to the next slide. There we go. But Peter put all of them outside and knelt down and prayed, turning to the body uh, and said, uh, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and gave her his hand and raised her up. And, and then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her as alive. And it became known. I wish I would have highlighted this. I forgot to. And it became known throughout all of Joppa and many what? believed in the Lord. Why? Because she had influence around the community for the good works that she had done. That they're like, wow, God raised her from the dead and look at her now. We want some of that. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon the Tanner. Uh, some of you uh, maybe are not as good with words, but you can do things. You, you, you go to your neighbor, you, 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 you mow their lawn when it's overgrown, and you say, so I'll let you know I wanted to do this for you. And you do these acts, and then they go, what makes you tick? Why are you doing all this? Why are you so kind? And there's your divine opportunity. Well, because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I, I've received so much from God that I just want to lovingly serve others. In fact, if you're ever wanting, you can come to church with me and, and believe it or not, you don't have to be a part of a country club. You can just come. You don't have to, you, you can come with me. I can come any week. Yeah, you can come any week. Believe it or not, it's open door for you. You're welcome. You don't have to pass a test to walk through our doors. Um, and that is your opportunity. The last two I'm going to paraphrase just because they're a little longer in nature, but I'm going to challenge you to go back and read them yourself. The fifth approach is a testimonial approach. Uh, we see this in John chapter, and I really wish you'd go back and read this today. It's a long chapter, but it's incredible. What happens is Jesus finds this uh, man who was born blind, which is a very significant little detail. Jesus is going to heal a man who's blind to try to be, have an object lesson to go back to the religious leaders if I can heal this man of his physical blindness, then I can heal you of your spiritual blindness if you want to see. Well, he could have got a guy who was, you know, had some kind of tragic accident last week and went blind. But no, he found a guy that was born blind, so there would be no question that he was blind. He's been blind his whole life. His parents know it, the community knows it, and now he can see. Can't argue that one away. You can't say, well, maybe it was a temporary blindness thing. No, he's been blind his whole life. Like the religious leaders are so dogmatically against this storyline. They go to the family and say, hey, hey, listen, tell us what happened here, but give glory to God. Don't give, don't give the credit to Jesus. We're not into the Jesus healing part. We just give God credit. We, we're down with that. The parents are so concerned that they literally say, you know what? We don't know what happened. <laughs> like, like they're scared of being put out of the synagogue, which means they could lose all their community, all their friendship, all their business relationships, everything about their lives if they get put out of the synagogue. So, hey, as for what happened to our son, he's old enough to speak for himself. Don't ask us. We have no clue. And they just kind of go to the background. Then they go back to the kid and they go, hey, listen, what happened to you? Well, listen, give glory to God. Say God healed you. Don't say anything about Jesus. We're not down with that. But if you just say God did it, we're good. And this is the testimonial approach. I call it, you tell me. It's the you tell me approach. All right, here it is. This is where I was my whole life over here. I've been blind forever. I have this interaction with Jesus and now I can see. You tell me what happened. You explain it. That's who I was. This is what happened. Boom. I can see now. And he just basically says, let me tell you about my life. By the way, this is a very effective strategy in today's culture because the value of personal experience is so high in our culture. I, I'm not allowed to uh, infringe on your own personal experience in the value system of our society today. So when you say, here's who I was, I was womanizing, I was doing drugs, whatever. I had this interaction with Jesus, look what I'm doing now. Can you explain to me what happened? Wow, that's powerful. Man, I, I can't say anything except for, wow, look at that trajectory and that timeline. God must be doing something in your life. That is a very effective tool in today's society. Just say, let me show you the before, the during, and the after. You tell me, religious leaders, you want me to give credit to God? I just had an interaction with this guy and all of a sudden, um, I can see. The last one, number six, is what I'm going to call the invitational approach. It's John 4 again. Uh, I'd love for you to read this on your own time. John 4 is an amazing, an amazing passage. Uh, it's, it chronicles the interaction between Jesus and this woman. 
What is so odd about this is that men and women do not associate with each other, certainly not rabbi and women. And then when you add the fact that she was a Samaritan woman, you have like a triple, you know, issue here. You know, it's like the trifecta problem. (laughs) She even acknowledges, why are you even talking to me? Men don't talk to women. Certainly not rabbis don't talk to women. And then she's a Samaritan. A Samaritan means that dad was a Jew and mom was a Gentile or, or, or the opposite. They're half breeds. Uh, there was so much racial tension at the time that a devout Jew would not step into the land of the Samaritans, even if it was the shortest route to wherever they were going. They would literally walk around all of Samaria so they could say, not even the dust of those people were on my shoes. I don't want to be contaminated by the very mud that they walk on. That's how much of a disdain there was between the two communities. And here is Jesus talking to this lady, which he's not supposed to be doing. She's a Gentile, number two. And then, uh, 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 and then they have all this racial tension behind. It's in the middle of the day, we know, and it's probably because she wasn't going to go in the morning when all the other women went to get water because she has been ostracized by her own community. Why? Well, Jesus would end up telling her later in John chapter four, hey, bring your husband. And she's like, oh, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right, you don't. The man you're living with is not your husband, but you've had five before. And she's like, oh my gosh, how does this guy know all this stuff? So she's ostracized. She's going to get water at the wrong time of day, alone with Jesus, who she's not supposed to be talking to, and he's not supposed to be talking to. And he asks her for some water. And she's like, why are you even talking to me? Because if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask for the water that I could provide you. Water that would, 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 would never need to be replenished. And she's thinking, man, that's awesome. I don't have to walk here anymore. And he's going, no, no, the water I'm talking about is spiritual water that can save your soul. The end of this amazing story, I'd love for you to go back and read it. An amazing story. As she goes back into town, now she's a Samaritan and she's ostracized for her life and her choices. And she goes and tells the whole neighborhood, come meet the guy who told me everything I needed to know about myself. Come meet the guy that knew everything about me. This is the come and see approach. This is the invitational approach. I, 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 don't, I don't even know what to tell you, but I can tell you who can tell you. You just come with me and I'll show you who he is. He told me everything I, I knew about myself. He told me everything there was to know about. How do you know? I don't know, but come meet the guy who knows. Very effective approach of saying, why don't you come with me? Let's go meet this person. Listen, while the evangelistic method is optional, the activity is not. While the evangelistic method, there's six different methods I laid out, is optional, the method, uh, the method is optional, the activity is not Spectre's our big idea today. While the evangelistic method is optional, the activity is not. I'm telling you, there's some in your room that are gonna be like, I cannot do the direct approach, the confrontational approach. I'm too wrong to be hospitable to do that, but you can use another approach. And there's some of you guys, God, you know what? I just want to get to it. And you're so great. Use the approach that works for you. God's gifted you more prophetically. You're ready to take charge and take the mountain. Great. Use the approach that works for you. Well, I'm kind of shy and timid. Can you use the invitational approach? It seems to be less words. Can you use the service approach and love somebody into the kingdom of God until he asks you a question? Depending on your spiritual gifting, you will naturally be drawn to one strategy over another. That is not the problem. Employ the strategy that you are drawn to. Which one is it? Pick the method that suits you and do it. While the evangelistic method is optional, the activity is not. Now, let me talk to you about what we're going to do as a church this year to keep this before ourselves and to keep thinking about reaching others, which is one of our values. The rally cry, how are we going to keep it in front of us? I want to do that right now by um, sharing you, you've probably seen the plus one. When you walked in today, you probably didn't notice it, but when you walked past the, 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 the lobby on the left-hand side as you're coming in, on the right side, right-hand side as you go out, there was that very figure, plus one. It's everybody's, we're going to know what it means. It's on the wall. It has lights behind it. There's a chalk wall there, and it's our plus one wall. It'll be there all year long. If we're doing construction this year, we'll move it to another spot. We'll tell you where it is, and we want you to go to that wall often. The first thing we're asking is that we have 500 names listed on that wall. There are little uh, markers on the wall right now. You can take one. They're chalk markers. I put my person on the wall. We're asking for first names only, not last names. We don't want this to be creepy or weird. So we're not trying to tell people that we're targeting them or anything like that. But first names, and if your person has such a unique name that they'll know that they were targeted, well, then use an initial. 
or, or, or banker or teller or, or put down, you know, gardener or, or barber, you know, whatever you want to do. But most people have a name like John. There's a million Johns in Camarillo, so they're going to know. All right. So you put their name on there. We want 500 names on that wall. We're going to count. And by December of 2024, we're going to hope that somebody's intentionally thinking about 500 different names in our church, prayerfully asking God, when are you going to open the door, the divine appointment where I can uh, represent Jesus Christ and the gospel to them? I'm going to put their name on. They're my neighbor. They're my coworker. There's somebody that I'm going to be intentional about this year and pray, God, give me the opportunity for them. All you got to do, we figure there's 500 people in our church plus one. If everybody had a plus one, we'd have 500 names on that wall and we're going to pray for them. Some of you guys are prayer warriors. You go to that wall and you start praying for people by name that God would do something in their lives. I want you, before you leave today, to go on that wall and put a first name of somebody on that wall. Already, from the first hour, we already have several names on that wall. We'll come back to it all kinds of times this year and ask you, have you been to the wall? Have you put down a name on the wall? Do you have your plus one on the wall? Number two, 500 names are hoping to go on. We want 300 of those people to be, have been invited to something at our church. So here's what's going to happen. God, I'm praying for Susie. I put her on the wall. Give me the opportunity. Give me the opportunity. And then boom, opportunity comes. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. God did it. Hey, would you like to come with me to Trunk or Treat? Hey, hey, would you like to come to me to Easter? Did you know that our church is not one that's like exclusive? Like you could come with me. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You could just walk in and sit next to me. I can. Yes, you can. Would you like to come to, 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 um, to, to Christmas? Wh whatever it might be. We're doing a out in the lawn. We're doing something for the kids. We're watching a movie. Would you like to come to that? Just sit next to me. As soon as you invite them, whether they say yes or no, you go back to the wall and you put a check mark by their name. We want 500 names on the wall. We want 300 of them to have check marks, meaning that we have intentionally invited them and we will count the number of check marks that we have. Finally, number three, we want 100 of them to have come. Now that's a God thing. We'll leave their salvation in God's hands. But we're believing that we're going to put 500 names on the wall, 300 of them are going to have been invited, and 100 of them will have come. So when you come and like, oh my gosh, my plus one came with me, go back to the wall, and where there's a check mark, now put a plus mark. You got a name, checked it off, plus they came. Whether or not God saves, that's on him. We leave that in God's territory. But we're going to be intentional about trying to reach others for Jesus Christ. Not only about you, but... I felt a lot of feelings of internal rage inside as the climbing rate of school shootings continues to rise over the last several years. Not only was it the climbing rate of these occurrences that made my rage rise, but I think it was in Florida and I think it was in Texas that apparently there was some hesitation for peace officers and school security guards to attempt to protect the children. Now, I know not all, everybody who, who has sworn to protect and serve would have acted in the same way. I have fam family members who serve in our community in Ventura County who I know take that seriously and would give their life to protect and serve. I'm not saying that everybody is like this, but in those two communities, there were situations where they hesitated and it was infuriating inside because that was your job. That was what you're supposed to do. That was your post. You were supposed to protect. So there's a special indignation in my heart because of that. In some ways, I wish I felt the same type of indignation for ourselves when we stay silent as those around us head towards their own destruction. While the evangelistic method is not optional or is optional, the activity is not. Guys, we're not talking about candy bars here. We're talking about people's souls. And God made a place to you in the exact place that he wanted to place you because he's drawing somebody and it's your job to speak up to the person that he's drawing. Join him in that effort. My question to you is, will you join us? Will you be intentional this year? Will you put a plus one on the wall? Will you pray for them? Will you ask God for the divine opportunity? When it comes, will you invite them? And if they come, will you come back and celebrate with us that we are being intentional about telling others in a dying world, in a dying generation, we will not be the people on the ship who are watching people drown and not throwing them a lifeline. We won't do it. 
even if they hate us for suggesting that they might need this for their own safety. Bow your heads, pray with me. Father, we have a lot of exciting things happening this year at our church. Uh, if you give us your favor with the city, at some point we'll be putting a spade in the ground and building. But we're not doing it for ourselves so we can have better seating areas and enjoy a, the outside weather. We're doing it because we want to see others to come to know Jesus Christ and their kids have the benefit of parents who know Jesus and live a certain way in accordance with this worldview that will be better for them in the end and maybe even spare their marriage from, from, from divorce and all the negativity. Of, we're doing it for more than just ourselves. And we want to come alongside and say, Father, we're about reaching. It's your heart to reach. You are not desirous that anyone should perish according to the word of God. Help us come out of our own timidity and help us be bold as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who are dying and need you. And would you reward our efforts with people who come, with people who get saved, multiply the results of that 18 folks in the last quarter and let us be the ones to show them the way of Christ. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So my name is Jim Moyer. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say good morning and happy new year. I love uh, the new year time because it is really um, a lot about fresh starts and kind of even a new life. So in a few moments, we're going to enter into a special time of worship and uh, participating together in communion. <clears throat> Jesus, during the Passover meal with his disciples, began a tradition that we have followed, excuse me, uh, we have followed, the church has followed for 2,000 years. Jesus broke bread and he said, this is my body given to you. And he took a cup of wine and said, this is my blood of a new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. So today, on this first Sunday of the month and the first Sunday of 2024, we are continuing this tradition. I think it is appropriate that as the new year starts, that we celebrate our new life in Christ. In communion, we remember God that he provided for us a way back to himself. He created a way to be reconciled and to enter into a love relationship with him. Through Jesus's death and resurrection, our sin, my sin, your sin, was paid for. Paul says in his letter to the second church in Corinth, God, for our sake, made him to be sin, him who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And in that same passage, Paul talks about being a new creation in Christ. Our old life prior to Christ is part of the old creation, our life in the flesh. But then Paul goes on to say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new creation is characterized by all that that is in our participation in Christ's death affords to us. We have new life from our death. This new life is in Christ. We have belonging to Christ, which means that we have a spiritual family. We have possession of the Holy Spirit and that life is dependent on the Holy Spirit who provides every good gift. These are the images that combine to define a new creation. Paul shows us that salvation and end times promise has begun now today in this present age the new creation which is to affect the entire universe has begun in the hearts and lives of us those that have responded to the gospel this morning let us celebrate
let us remember the God that gives salvation, not just in the future, but today in our lives as a new creation. I invite you to think on these truths as you prepare your hearts for communion. The elements of communion are at the top of the, the aisles here. The bread and the juice are on these tables and I invite you in the next two songs to come forward and grab the elements and spread out along the stage and then eat and drink. If you're here with your family, I invite you to take and, and uh, take this together as a family. Now, if you're in your seat and, and your mobility challenged, it'd be hard for you to come down the aisle. The ushers will have the elements and will be uh, walking the aisles and, and just get their attention. They'll be happy to serve you in your seat. And then uh, when you're done with it, the baskets on the stage here are for those used cups. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your son that has created a way for us to come back to you, a way to be a new creation. Oh, Father, would you help us remember that this is our life today, not sometime in the future, the eternal life and this relationship with you. Help us remember that we were bought with a price. We are not our own, and that in this life we live, we live to honor you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You slid the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were jammed in perfect love. You rescued me. Thank you.
seat. What a great morning. Um, you know, we're super excited about this plus one thing and what that's going to mean for our church and our community as we intentionally reach out um, here. We take very serious our ministry here in this community. But I just want to remind you, we also have uh, ministries throughout the world. And a year ago, um, we were doing a, a campaign for the Welcome Project. We're raising money for this new project. And God just put on our doorstep at the same time, 
this missionary from India that we support who's trying to raise money to build his church down there. The Lord impressed upon us that we need to be part of both things, what we're doing here in our church and our community, but also what he's doing throughout the world. And in addition to what we raised for our project, we raised $50,000, which in India, believe it or not, will build a three-story church. Um, and I have some pictures uh, I wanted to show you real quick. They've started construction. Um, this is them drilling a well. Those dudes are walking in a circle drilling a well. That's how come you can do it for 50000 because it's like $2 a day for labor or something like that. But there's several pictures. You just go through them at your own whatever. Um, this is his church, and they're, we're excited about the fact that you guys partnered with that and raised the money. We raised the full 50000 They were able to buy the land. They're building the building. Um, and all that um, because of your generosity. So good job, CAMCC. Uh, that's Pastor James right there. Uh, anyway, we're going to um, receive our offering today. There's three ways to participate in that. You can give via going to campcc.net. You can uh, donate by texting the amount you'd like to donate to 84321, or you can use the offering box in the lobby. Um, that's how all the ministry here is supported, including what we do uh, worldwide through our missions budget. All right, um, before we go, let's check out what's coming up next at, uh, on this video. Hi, CAMCC. I'm Miranda Morris, and I am part of the high school ministry at CAMCC. We meet on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You should come check it out. If today is your first time with us, we're glad you're here. If it's your second time, I'm so glad you're back. If you are a first-time guest, we have a $5 Starbucks gift card for you. Fill out our connection card and take it to the welcome counter in the lobby or scan this QR code with your phone's camera and let us know you filled it out digitally. Also add how we can be praying for you as well. If this is your second visit, let us know at the counter and you'll get a $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. We will also invite you to our all-you-can-eat dessert with our pastors, elders, and staff. Online viewers go to campcc.net slash next steps to go through the guest process. Sunday, January 14th, 3.30 to 5 p.m. First Impressions Team Dessert. Are you looking for a place to serve? We need you. As construction begins, it is crucial that we have enough volunteers to welcome and guide our guests. Show up at the video venue at 3.30 p.m. to learn more or email kelly at campcc.net for info. The week of January 21st, growth groups begin. If you are looking for a way to connect with other people at CAMCC on a smaller scale for just eight weeks, this is an amazing way to do life together. Sign up today. Childcare is available. Email lisa at campcc.net for more info. Saturday, January 27th, 3 to 5 p.m., recipe exchange for young families. Bring your family's favorite recipes of the video venue to share, enjoy a craft, devotion, and free play. For more info, contact Chelsea at youngfamilies.camcc.net. Saturday, January 27th, 6 to 8 p.m. Join us in the Activity Center as we honor Pastor Jim Moyer's 21 years of service to the Lord and find out about his next steps in ministry. Please RSVP no later than January 19th to michelle at camcc.net. Sunday, January 28th, One Voice Worship Night. Come worship with us and several other churches as we take communion together and pray for our city as one church here at CAMCC. To stay in the loop of what is going on at CAMCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to CAMCC.net. What an amazing uh, message that we just heard from, from Pastor Dave today. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord not only invites us in to participate in his kingdom, to be sons and daughters, but he also invites us in to participate in the laboring in his kingdom. And so I'm so thankful for that. Uh, God has been so good to us. Uh, whether, regardless of the, the method, God has called us all to be evangelists for his kingdom. And so we just want to invite you to go and participate in that initiative this year. Um, if you guys need prayer this morning, we would love to have you uh, come up to our front. We're going to have some men and women here who are ready to pray with you and to hear all the things that, uh, that you need from the Lord today. Um, also out in the patio, we're going to have some coffee and donuts. Uh, so feel free to join us out there. And um, think about who you're going to invite next week. Um, we can already start on that plus one goal. Uh, we, th uh, we thank you guys for coming, and we'll see you guys next week.